We here. Let's do it. Welcome to episode 48 of the Danso Pitch Podcast. I am your host, Charles Danso. We're going to let this rock a little bit. Welcome from those tuning in from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. Special episode today. Sit back, relax. We'll get started very soon. Let's go. Y'all heard that Drake shit? <laughs> Alright, welcome again to episode 48 of the Danso Pitch Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Danso. I want to welcome again those tuning in from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. Subscribe through the Danso Pitch. Welcome, Daniel. How you feeling today? Yo, I'm feeling great, man. Feeling excellent. You know, we finally got some good weather for the weekend, and I'm excited to do another episode with you, man. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. It's always been a pleasure, man. I'm, I'm fresh out of, off of vacay. I feel rested. I feel excited to kind of just give the game for the audience today. So, uh, you know, we'll get right into it. So, again, for first time and last time, listeners, welcome again. And this episode, episode 48, we will be covering mastering the interview process. As we're entering the end of the year... A lot of people now are starting to transition out of a current role into a new role or a new career altogether. Now, a lot of times when we do this, we face a lot of challenges through the industries that we're in or the new industries we're trying to get into. And that is, how do I nail the interview process? How do I know what to say to the hiring manager or managers that can secure their job and or role that I'm trying to get into. We're going to cover all that in today's episode and many more. So again, a lot of people may be listening to us and say, well, how does Charles and Daniel know this? Well, from my perspective, and I'll let Daniel uh, chime in before we actually start. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I would be lying if I said that I don't get denied on the regular for a lot of interviews uh, uh, that I go to or I, I I have went to. Or even getting my foot in the door altogether by even getting my resume looked at or approved. I know all this to be true. That's just part of the business or businesses that you're in. So again, those type of industries, you're not always going to get an okay. But the information that I can give you for myself, Daniel will give his perspective as well as professionals that we've pulled a lot of this information from is basically giving you the steps as to how we got into the roles that we're in. We can only give you from our perspective, but hopefully the information that we can give based on our personal experiences, uh, from my perspective, is working in the investment banking world. I've been in it for almost seven years now. So I've worked uh, in various parts of investment banking, which is from an operations perspective, as well as from a hedge fund perspective, as well as a risk management perspective. So all of these involve working in various companies, going through various interviews, even within the the companies I went to. So I will share my experiences, the good and bad, and many more. So Daniel, before we actually kick off uh, this episode, is there anything you would like to share for the audience? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much you wrapped it up with that, uh, Charles. You know, we're going to share our experiences. For me, you know, interviewing has always been a constant tug of war. Um, me always being kind of on the back end of that, like 
rejection was just the, like I, I was just used to it. You know, it's like um, you don't after a while, you don't take it personal. And we're going to get into how you can cope with and, and learn from those type of experiences when interviewing for, let's say, the ideal job. Right. Um, because it's all about that conversation between you and the interviewer and how that interaction is going to kind of uh, project and, and foresee how you work in the work environment that you want to go into. So um, for me, you know, I've always uh, had the ability to kind of adapt after each interview. And I've been, you know, before the role I'm in now as a consultant, you know, I was interviewing for jobs um, left and right. And, you know, we would get almost to the very last step. Sometimes it's like three-step interviews, very last step. And then they say, oh, we went with another candidate. You know, all, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. And I say this to say that, you know, each step along the way, I've had to learn what went wrong and what went right in order to really, I guess, for lack of a better term, put the perfect profile in place when I'm in the interview mm-hmm. to get the position, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to break all of that down, you yeah. know, the, the, the general outline of the podcast First, we're going to go over, you know, understanding the purpose of the interview. Then we're going to go over the actual steps that you should take when preparing an interview. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to segue into the interview day, the big one. And then we're going to kind of go with the follow-ups after the interview, right? So kind of just giving that breakdown for the audience of what we can expect for this type of podcast. Mm-hmm. So starting off, you know, high level, the interview process is really you as the, the person who wants to work for this company, you have your own goals and you're assessing your personal goals and how the company aligns with them in this interview. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, the interviewer, who's the representative of the company, is assessing your technical, professional, and interpersonal skills and how it aligns with the company. So high level, that's what's happening in the interview, right? And before you even get into that interview, it's really important, I think, to, you know, ask yourself, like, okay, like, what do I really want out of this job? You know, because the why is pretty much the most important part about it. Yes, the money is cool. Yes, the, the position itself may hold a certain um, ambiance to it. But, you know, long term, what does this job do for me? Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it starts there when it comes to actually preparing for the interview, because then you kind of know okay, it's more than just like, yeah, let me get this job. It's more about, okay, this job is a milestone to get here, Mm -hmm. right? So I think like from that point, and Charles, you can chime in on this, I think from there, you know, understanding your reason for actually going into the interview is a very important step because from there, then you can have kind of that momentum shift like, yeah, okay. Exactly. Like, it's not just, you know, I I want the job, I want the money. It's like, this is my career. This is what I do. This is like... this job aligns with who I am and then that kind of like propels you to do the other steps because there's a lot of steps to prepare for a game interview, right? It's not just, okay, let me just like, you know, read, you know, look up a few questions online and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like, there's a lot, we're going to get into some of these steps, but there's a lot of meticulous things that one can do that actually overall has a great impact when it comes to that 30, 45 minute session between you and the interviewer. Exactly. And just kind of just putting that in a perspective as to what uh, Daniel's saying for the audience kind of listening, 
basically that aligns with the purpose of the interview. So from a perspective from the interviewee, which would be yourself going into the interview, the goals that you want to have in mind is basically the ability to communicate and and the motivation to do the job. So what does that basically mean? That means that are you able to understand what the specific role that you're basically uh, going to get a job for entails? Do you understand what this person is asking of you to do on a day-to-day basis? So the motivation to do the job comes into play. And the interviewer, which will be uh, the hiring manager or managers, they will see right from the start if you have the motivation to do it. Just based on your body language, your understanding of the job. That's why Daniel mentioned that it's important to really understand the in and outs of the role. You can look at Indeed and, and look at the company's website, look on the sp- LinkedIn, specific job sites like that, that allow you to actually see the ins and outs of the role. So you want to pay attention to keywords. Keywords can be like, example, um, ability to process uh, VLOOKUPs. I'm just using an example through Excel or the ability to uh, do reporting on a day-to-day basis. These are just certain things that they will say that basically means that they're looking for someone that does that specific role. Are you able to work in Excel? Are you able to, um, you know, speak with different uh, parties, shareholders within the team or outside of the team? So that's very important. So you really have to understand the details of what the job description is telling you. Highlight certain words because that's words that you want to use in the interview and make sure that you articulate yourself in a way that the manager understands that you know specifically what A, B, and C of the role is. You also want to gain more information about the job and employer to make sure it is it is a fit. So basically, you want to ask questions to the, to the interviewer t- uh, to basically say like, hey, what do you, what's your expectation of me in this role? What do you think that uh, you, you see this role going in the next three to five years? Because that also answers, uh, you better go into this role knowing that this shit ain't going to get shipped out or outsourced, as we call it in the, in the business world, in the next three to five years. Certain, and and they, they won't say it directly, of course not, but certain things will allow you to understand that. Because that also allows you to see what is the job security like in the next couple of years. That's all very important. You want to determine if it is a place you want to work and the job you want to do. Ask about the company culture. It's okay to ask and say, hey, do you guys have, uh, what does your Fridays look like? Uh, do you guys get out of work early during the summers? Do you guys uh, like to do like, uh, you know, like ask the manager, do you, do you usually take your team out or hire him? If it's a, a, a co-worker of yours, say, hey, do you guys usually go out on Fridays? Do you guys usually have like team meetings? This allows you to see what the what the company or, or, or role culture is like because that allows you to know that, hey, maybe this person will say, uh, well, you know, we, maybe once in a blue moon we do that. That means there's no real communication within that role. That allows you to understand that, hey, you should have an eyebrow going to this role because if you're not communicating with your team or your manager, then what is the purpose of you having a team in the first place? You each of each person should be responsible for a specific role within the team. You do specific tasks to, to for the end goal to complete what is needed from uh, that specific role for your manager to report to her manager or his manager. So that's very important. You want to know that your team has a team chemistry or camaraderie, so to speak. Um, also, you want to sell yourself for the job as, as it seems right. 
highlight your skill sets on your resume, not just where you work, but what what do you have? Maybe you have a certificate in uh, coding. Maybe you have a um, you know you have a teaching teaching certificate. And you decided to come into banking or, or you wanted to work in a hospital, but but kind of sell yourself in a way. Say like, hey, I'm coming from this diff- whole new different career, but I was able to teach other students. I was able to delegate tasks. Managers and hiring people love hearing that because that means that they can give you something and you can apply that automatically. They don't. A lot of people don't want to be don't want to handhold somebody or, or want to be handheld. So you also want to show independence within the role. That's very important. So again, all these skill sets that I highlighted as well as Daniel, I'm bringing you in on it. Is very important. Now, I also want Daniel to emphasize for the audience, what do you believe, Daniel, that the importance of what the employer would be one the employer goals, which is basically the person that would be conducting the interview, is expecting from the interviewee? Interviewers typically look for, and you brought it up, Charles, is because they've already read your resume. Mm-hmm. You know, going into the interview, they know who you are on paper. So now it's about seeing how that personality blends with what they've read on your resume and seeing what skills are actually transferable. One key thing, especially if you're going into a technical interview, is that because we all, you know, when when building your resume, we like to sell our best selves, right? Mm -hmm. So there's certain parts where if you're going to list something on your resume, should be prepared to answer a question of your level of competency in that area. For example, coding. If you're going to put computer skills or technical skills, Python, be sure that you actually know how to code in Python, Mm -hmm. right? Because authenticity is very important, especially in that interaction, because if I'm looking at a resume and I see like, you know, Python, or I see like, okay, this person knows how to do uh, SQL, just as an example, off of that, I'm going to assume that, okay, this person is moderately competent, so I'll ask some questions surrounding that, you know? Yeah. So don't just put it on there because it looks nice. Like, actually, you know, and, and I'm just using that as an example, but this can go for any other line of work that you do or anything that you put as a bullet mark for what you did in a certain position. Like, there's a fine line between enhancing what your role is and deviating from what it actually is so that's a very important area to tiptoe around when actually making your resume submitting your resume and going into the interview with your resume and your interviewer have already read that resume so now going into kind of what charles was saying when when you're in that interaction you know the interviewer is typically going to really see how you are as a person right because you know, assessing skills, skill set, and, and things of that nature, it's kind of already predetermined from reading the resume. So now it's all about, okay, if I put this person in front of a client, how is, how is this individual going to, you know, talk to the client? How are they going to um, manage certain tasks? Mm-hmm. What happens if something goes wrong? How will this person react? So these behavioral questions that they ask, Confidence. normally you're going to... You know, confidence, that's a big thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, body language, you know, yeah. they're going to look at all of these things. Eye contact, um, is this person smiling? 
what is this person? You know, all of these little things, this is why we talk about the details, right? Color scheme, even though this is more of a subconscious thing, if you go into an interview with a red tie, that signifies power. You know, mm-hmm. if you go into an interview with like a blue tie, that's more like collaborative. Let, we'll, 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 we'll wait, we'll wait, uh, sorry to cut you, we'll wait uh, just to kind of explain that more in detail. But I do want to highlight something that you emphasized, and especially for the audience, is confidence and body language. That's very important in an interview, even in a virtual interview. That's very important. Now, obviously, I'm not saying you got to go in there like the Teflon Don, like you basically own the own the place, but you should kind of have that persona like you own that place. Uh, so, or, so what does that mean? That means that you go in there, you speak, but you don't speak in the way where the person seems like, or you, or you have your arms folded and you know, you're slanted in your chair. You want to sit up in the chair. You want to sit up in your seat. You want to be bolsterish. You want to speak like the way that I'm speaking and Daniel's speaking in a way that showcases that you can walk into a meeting and you can, you can be the person that controls the room because that's very important in an interview. It's like a negotiation. You want to you wanna control the situation where that the interviewer is looking at you and saying that I want this person working in my team or working with me in this team. That's very important. So you have to be confident. Look the part. Like Daniel mentioned, we'll get more into it. Dress well. As a man, you should always wear a suit for an interview. It doesn't matter if you're 16 working at McDonald's, if you're 21 working in an investment bank, if you're 50 going to become a manager or managing director or even a CEO or, or an executive position. Always wear a suit with a tie. That's very important. A lot of times people think that, oh, I could just wear like a dress, like a, you know, a college shirt, and then like uh, just some slacks and I could get the interview. And sometimes you sometimes you may get that off, but that's rare. In any interview, any job position, like I said, you want to dress like you own the company. That's the mentality that you should have going into the interview. So that also means like Daniel mentioned, looking the part, speaking like the part, having the body language. Don't fold your arms. You can use your arms. It's okay to use your arms, but try to, yeah, exactly. Try to. And Daniel, I'll bring you in on it, but try not to make that the focus because that takes the attention away from you. So it's okay to have your arms like flat on the desk or have it in a way where it's not folded, but like it's how Daniel has it. If you watch it on YouTube, you have your hands together. For the for the audio people, you have your, your fingers together, but it's not crossing. That's very important because that puts the attention on your face. You want to keep the person looking at your face watching what you're saying visually exuding that this is this is what I'm doing this is who I am because when you do other things and then it takes attention away from you people get distracted so maybe you may have said something but the interviewer didn't catch it because he was looking at you folding your arms and talking like this and not really you know paint you know really saying what what you're feeling so that that may have been what didn't get you the job as opposed to if you were simply had the person's attention fully that would have sold it, and then you would have got the position. Daniel, your thoughts on that? And, and preparation is key. Speak you know, to yourself. Like these yeah. things are, because these are the type of things that, you're, as, as yourself looking at yourself, it's difficult to, to identify them, right? Like, if I were to just sit by myself and 
interview myself, I wouldn't pick up on these little things that I do when answering a question. So that's why mock interviews are essential when preparing for an interview, especially a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just so many benefits to having that outside party watch your language, your body language, and, and listen to how you answer certain questions. Mm-hmm. Because that's how the interviewer is going to assess you when you answer these questions, right? They're going to pay attention to all of your body language. They're going to pay attention to how you answer the question, mm-hmm. right? Because when you're answering some of these interview questions, it's very important and, and it behooves you really mm-hmm. to use the STAR method, which mm-hmm. is, you know, STAR is an acronym for situation, task, action, result. So you want to answer the question in a way that defines the situation, gives the interviewer an understanding of what the task is that you had to tell them the action steps you took to you know depending on the question the action steps you took and then the result of all of your action steps right to put it simply so and you want to always kind of tailor it in a way where the result is a tie into okay this is what made me better this is what I learned or this is how, you know, I've applied myself for, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different behavioral questions. We can't go through the entire list, but very common ones are, you know, explain, you know, tell me about a time when you didn't meet a deadline. That's a very common one. Uh, you know, so the, like the, or tell me, what would you say is your greatest weaknesses? Like these are very common blankets, uh, you know, blanket questions that pretty much every behavioral interview goes through. So using the star technique against those type of questions, very beneficial to you and practicing those at, in a mock interview heck ask your friend ask your family member anybody you know it only yeah. takes 15 minutes to 20 minutes to kind of have that prep work and then you know going back to confidence you know whatever makes you feel confident before you go into the interview because you have a couple days before the interview right you know so five to seven days roughly so you want to try to do the things that will help you get into that mode of yeah okay i'm gonna walk in like i own the place whether it's visualizations affirmations should do a workout like whatever you need to do to get yourself in that position do it what i did for to get to my position and this may be a bit extreme but this is what helped me i wrote myself an acceptance letter of the company with the company logo i wrote it you know, printed it out, put it on my wall, and I stared at it for about a month. Like every morning, I would wake up, and I would just look at it. And I would visualize myself getting that acceptance letter. You know, and I, I, it was beautiful. I typed it out exactly how, you know, you talent acquisition would send you an acceptance letter, and I had, had it there. And then I got the job. So that's that was the confidence and visualization technique that worked for me. Some don't have to go to that extreme, but whatever works for you i guarantee you that method is is going to vibrate in the interview you're going to go in there and it goes back to the to the why it goes back to the purpose you know if you know that this is the position if you know like you got to walk in there and have the have the confidence like there is no one else better for this position than me like that's how you have to walk in there and be because that's what's going to tell the interviewer like okay like this is a guy that or this is a girl, or, you know, this is the person that I want to, you know, move forward with. 
in the company and see how far they go, right? Yeah. Because there's multiple interview steps usually. So, you know, first and, first and last impressions are very important. And usually in the interview, it's a first and a last impression because you don't normally have the same interviewer twice. So but we're, we're, sure we're getting ahead. Was. We're getting ahead, Daniel. Let's, let's, it, it's good that you're sharing this and the audience listen in and as well as viewing should understand that but we really want to break it down first before wrapping that up so basically there's two things that you emphasize which is an interview type as well as what exactly uh basically a mock interview is so for the audience that may not know and for those that do already but this is just a refresher a mock interview is basically a practice interview it's practice 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 Think of it like um, when you see sports, when you see some of your favorite players. If it's Patrick Mahomes, if it's LeBron James, if it's uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, if you're watching soccer, so many people, Alex Morgan, all these people. What do they do before the game? They, they have practices or they should practice, right? No Allen Iverson intent. <laughs> you should always practice. So basically, even in a mock interview process, you should always rehearse. Now, some people, there's different ways to do mock interviews. One way Daniel mentioned is, again, uh, he did his own way, was writing the acceptance letter in a way that he already knew that he, in his mind, he already got it. So he was able to have the confidence to kind of just go in there and then basically just know what he was going to discuss as a way that he already thought that he already got the job. So in his mind, his mind was set. His, his brain already told him, like, oh, this is my job. Like, I'm going in there taking this. Some other people may not be as confident or, or may be uncertain going into it. That's natural. That's just part of being a human. So what can you do? One way I did was uh, I usually talk to myself in the mirror. Like I use my reflection as the interviewer or the person that's going to interview me. And I usually just speak to them where I emphasize uh, the, the role basically like the benefits um, of the role, obviously why I got in, in into the role in the first place in terms of what I've been doing, why I want to go to the new role that is basically what I'm interviewing for, and then what are my skill sets, what am I good at, um, you know, I even use negatives, like what I know I can improve on, sometimes that may work to your benefit, if you know how to kind of use it in an interview, but usually once you get the conversation going, and you pick up on it, you can also use it like kind of what Daniel mentioned as a way that you can use an example of, hey, maybe there was this time where this thing happened and this is how I was able to turn it around and it became successful for me at the role or roles that I was previously in. Look, so that also can show an interviewer like, hey, even when this, when this person deals with this challenge, this is how this person goes about resolving it because that also can be a benefit. You're always going to you're going to mess up at a job. Nobody's perfect. You're always going to have a hiccup. But what what people love, this is how the people that stay in the jobs that they're in for years do. You pick up on your error and you correct it. Sometimes you correct it without even having to go to your manager or whoever to get it done. People love self-sufficient people, people that can do shit on their own, that don't have to be handheld. I said that previously and I emphasize that again. People love people that don't have to be handheld because people got their own shit. People got their own families. They're not, they're not trying to come into the job and tell you every little thing. Sometimes, some shit you got to figure out yourself. So that's important. That is why a mock interview is important. It's good to practice. Even if you want to practice with a relative, 
your significant other uh, or whoever. If you don't want to share that information and you want to do what I did in a way or Daniel, where you just practice amongst yourself is good. But get yourself talking. Get yourself psychologically in the mindset that this is the job that I'm taking. Not that I'm going to have. I'm taking. That's the mindset you got to have when you go into this, these job interviews. Now, he also, Daniel also mentioned interview types. And audience, whether you know or don't know, get out a pen and paper. I'll give you about a couple of seconds to go over each of the interview types. There's various interview types, even in the COVID world that we're in, that you should know about. The first one I want to highlight is a phone interview. Now, more so, this isn't as common as it was in the past, but some companies still do this, where they will literally have a, uh, just kind of a, a brief, maybe like, a, I want to say, 20 to 30 minute phone conversation, just asking you basic questions about what your current role is now, what you're looking to to get into this new role you're applying for, uh, you know, just a little things they may ask you on the resume about, like, hey, if you're coming out of school, when are you set to graduate? If you're looking to get into a new role, uh, when, you, how long can you basically, uh, you know, be at the the old role you're at before you can turn over? Because some jobs you have to, uh, and correct me, Daniel, you do have to actually stay with them for a couple weeks or or even a month or so because it's based on your contract. So the interviewer will want to know that as well. So when can you start? When when is a potential start date? That's usually when it, that's where a phone interview is conducted. That's more like a screener just to kind of get a quick overview of yourself. Now you have your screening interview. That's your first round interview. Like I mentioned, that is just getting a little bit understanding of who you are, your role, your skill set, and what you're looking to potentially get, get into this new role you're interviewing for. Then you have your on-site interview. Now, this is not as common now. But think of your on-site interview uh, in the COVID world as your Zoom interview, your Skype interview. Or, for some companies, your actual on-site interview where you actually go to the job itself and then you interview. That's usually your first round interview for a lot of companies. Some companies, that's your first and only interview. Some people may extend that out to a second interview or a third interview depending on the type of job that you're at. But that is where you want to emphasize every little thing myself and Daniel mentioned about understanding the role or the job, understanding um, basically the company, uh, basically how they interact, the uh, company atmosphere, excuse me, as well as learning more about what is the potential for growth within the role or the position that you're applying for. You always want to go into a job looking to see what is the next step. I'm not saying that you have to be the CEO. Nobody's saying you have to be that. But you, you would want more money, right? You would want more um, uh, basically entitlement. What basically that means is having more of a, a more responsibilities within the, your role. That's very important. So that's where all those questions are asked. And then I'm not going to touch too much on the behavior interview because uh, Daniel already mentioned that. But those are just questions as getting an understanding of your personality. So they can ask you like, tell me about a time when you had too much on your plate. So basically what that basically means is how did you handle that? Who did you go to? How did you get that turned around? How did you react to it? A lot of times that's what they're looking for. The key word is how did you react? Did you say, 
uh, fuck it. Did you say, uh, did you go to your manager? Yeah, did you go to your man? Hey, believe it or not, some people can go like that, right? They won't literally say fuck it, but they'll be like, well, I didn't really know how to kind of handle that challenge. Or they won't say it like that, but kind of in that way. That's a no-no. Because that means that the interviewer, the, the hiring manager will look at that and say, well, if you're not able to successfully execute that, how can I trust you to do this role or this position and something comes up and you're just like, uh, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. You don't want to be tentative in the interview. You want to be confident. You want to use, the exa- use any example. It doesn't even have to be a job example. If you played sports, let's say you missed the game-winning catch. Well, what did you do? Did you pout about it? Did you say, hey... Give me the ball the next time. I'm going to catch it. Use any example that you can use that shows how you can turn a situation around very quickly. That's important. That's what the main purpose of a behavioral interview is, is to just understand how do you react? Can you turn this around quickly? If not, don't even proceed further in the interview because nine out of ten times, the hiring manager already made a decision as to what they think of you or the type of person you are. The case interview, which a lot of times that means a specific interview generally used in consulting and financial world. So a case interview a lot of times is used to just kind of showcase how did you make profit for the for your company? What did you do? This doesn't necessarily mean that you turned around a $2 billion deal. If you did, hey, great, emphasize that. But it just means that what did you do in your role that helped make your that made that made that role highlight in terms of uh let's say that you successfully um finished all uh clients that you work with in, within the role and you were able to get that completed before the deadline that your manager asked that's basically what it means it just means how did you basically handle uh this situation that helped make money for your role or your department or your company altogether then your stress interview Every, I would say about 80% of jobs in this world will always ask you a stress question. So what does that mean? That means that how did you deal with pressure within the role or roles that you were in? Everybody deals with pressure, whether it's the CEO down to the janitor. It doesn't matter. I'm just using that example to say that everybody in a role deals with a stress situation. Nobody comes into work. Not even billionaires, and they're lying to you. Jeff Bezos said he tap dances to work. Fuck out of here. Because I was reading them Amazon reviews. He was tearing a new one in those a lot of those employees. <laughs> because everybody deals with stress in a row. But how can how did you how did you deal with it? Did you just crumble? Did you uh just get turn it around where you're like, hey, it doesn't matter, like this is this is what the situation is, but this is what I gotta get it to, doesn't matter. Everybody deals with 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 stuff internally, physically, mentally. Sometimes you come into work. I'm sure Dan, you deal with the same thing. You feel drained, but you still get the job done because at the end of the day, you want to you want to get paid. But ultimately, you want to make yourself and your team, your manager, look good. So that's the stress interview. It's like how do you deal with a situation that maybe you weren't feeling the best mood, but how did you execute that? Because in doing that, in showing that you successfully executed that, the interviewer will say, well. This may be a high intense uh, position. This may be a, a position where you deal with different things every day. So this person can handle that. And they'll know if you're lying, by the way, because your body language will tell you whether you whether you know you successfully do actually know how to handle stress or you don't. People that don't deal with stress well always show 
that they don't deal with stress world. And the last one is a group interview. So basically, that's basically bringing candidates together to see how they will interact. So basically, some interviews will put you with different people. Like, let's say you're, you're interviewing like various managers or various employees, and each one throws you a different question. I dealt with that early in my career, where I had to, and I got interviewed by five people at the same time, and I ended up getting the job. The reason why was because I first understood the role of the position, what was expected of me, and what I expected of them. And that's how I turned it on them, where I said, well, where is this position going in the next couple of years? What can I expect on a day-to-day basis? What is what, what happens if, let's say, this, this position goes here, where I got to go here and, as opposed to here? Asking all these questions is good. What is the pay like? Don't be afraid to negotiate yourself. Negotiate for yourself. You are your own lawyer in an interview. So what does that mean? Ask, ask the right questions. Ask the questions that gets them being like, fuck. He or she knows what she's talking about. That's how you get the job is you want to turn it on them where they end up talking about themselves and they don't even realize that the interview was about you, but they talking about themselves talking about, well, 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 oh, sorry guys. Well, Charles or Daniel, I've been in this role for a while. You know, I've been doing this. So that's all important. Daniel still there. And that's all important. You know, like, sorry, YouTubers. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about going in there and trying to make it a conversation as opposed to you know answer you know ask question answer question kind of situation right you want to converse with the interviewer as much as possible if they ask you a question you know at the tail end of it try to flip it on try to try to make it you know if it's a question around you know something that you you did in your work. Um, to answer a behavioral question, try to flip it at the end to, to, to ask them, like, so, like, you know, how is the culture here, would you say, Baba? You know, like, get the interviewer to talk about themselves in the interview as much as possible. You don't have to do this for every single question, but when the opportunity is there, when you see a little opening, go for it, yeah. right? Because they will appreciate that, you know, leap in asking them the questions instead of waiting until the end. Of course, have your questions ready for the end because the interviewer will always give you that time but if you can, you know, sneak in a question or two in between to make it a little bit of a conversation, mm-hmm. that makes the process a lot smoother. It takes the pressure off of you mm-hmm. because, you know, there is it is a it is a high pressure environment. Right? Yeah. It's an interview. Yeah. Um. So you want to try to ease that, you know, and things that you can do even before the interview starts is try to do a little icebreaker, right? You know, as the interview starts, you know, if it's a physical interview, you know, when you shake hands. You know, simple, casual conversation, you know. How many minutes should that be, Daniel? How many, how many uh, minutes? What was that? How many minutes should the icebreaker usually be? The icebreaker normally should range from about two, two, to, minutes, two to three minutes, I would say. You know, try to have, try to have the, the icebreaker don't pass five minutes, I would say. Um, because you want to be able to you know, make it, make it the environment feel, feel, uh, you want to have that communication realm open and you want to make the interviewer feel like, okay, here's someone who's confident. He's, you know, communicative, he's personable and you 
you want them to to already have a, an impression of okay wow like from the handshake to them just at, at, you know you asking how was your day you know whatever whatever let the interviewer bring up certain things so I remember I had an interview um, before we even after into the interview we didn't even start the interview we were talking about the basketball game that happened the night prior the day prior and that was the interviewer who brought it up <laughs> right so if they yeah. bring up something go with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You yourself don't have to, you know, I wouldn't recommend bringing up the game, but if they bring up something like, hey, I was watching the game yesterday, oh, yeah, you, uh, you know, Giants fan, whatever, like, let's roll with that. Let them, you know, try to string that along so that they can feel that, you know, oh, okay, like, I, I like that. Interviewers like to, because I, I have interviewed myself at one point, mm-hmm. um, and I was trained in certain aspects. So there's certain things that you look for professionally you look for those key things but you also look for things that are personal like you look for things that are like if this if i were to work with this person can i talk to this person that can i converse with this personal things that are outside of me like can because work is going to be you know roughly let's say eight hours of your day Mm -hmm. so in those eight hours are you the type of person that work 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 or can you find that? Can you have that balance with your coworkers? Yeah, mix little, it up. Little tidbits that things are gonna look into, but um, you know, and and just to touch on virtual interviews because we are in the space now with COVID and everything that virtual interviews are really popular. In a virtual interview, all of the things that we talked about still applies, right? Nothing changes. You still want to dress the part, you know, even if you're sitting down, like from the, from the from the waist up. You know, my recommendation is, hey, don't just throw on, like, a tie and a shirt and then just wear pajamas. Like, I would say, hey, dress like you're going into an actual interview, you know, with the full suit and everything so that you feel the part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have your background kind of like a white, you know, ideally a white plain background with not too many things going on. Like, you know, the background that Charlie and I have, you know, you want it to be clean, right? You want it to exemplify something that's like you don't want to have clutter in the background you want to have certain elements in place i recently did a virtual interview i had this background and you know i mean i got i got the offer right so it was just like you know yeah very like you want to have these these elements in place um don't 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 use a filter don't use a filter audience and daniel i'll bring you back in but don't use a filter uh a lot of people try to do that during interviews i've seen people do it from personal experience it's honestly a turn off. Um, you can do it if you're in the actual role. I mean, that's fine. But the thing is that you just you never want to get to interviewer to question anything about yourself before they even get to know you. So a filter can kind of bring that mystique because not that they're saying that like, oh, like I care what Charles and Daniel basically have. But the point is like, why, why have it? Because it takes away the attention off of you. Because usually when you have a filter, it looks animated. So it's like it's taking away the attention from you. So like he said, um, keep the background minimal. If anything, if you can get just get a white space, just a clear space in back of you, that's fine. Because the point is you just want the interviewer to focus solely on you. I mean, if you have a little things here and there, that's also fine. But do not have clutter. Don't don't be on the interview during the Zoom or Skype call and you have your, your closet full of dirty clothes in the background or something. Or you have if you have kids, you have the children's like 
you know, throwing food in the back or like acting up, you know, just get a quiet space. If you have a steady room, if you don't have a steady room, hey, nowadays, even during COVID, they have uh, private uh, spaces that you can just, uh, you know, just get for 30 minutes an hour. Just, you know, even if you pay a little bit of money, that's fine. Um, just giving you an example, it's just going to benefit you down the line because end of the day is you want to get the role and you don't want anything to hinder you after the fact or before the fact. That means like example, like having something that just takes the attention away that could be a turnoff because trust me, they may smile this and that, but no people smile in your face, but you never know what people are really thinking. And then you also have to think of that uh, during the interview process too. They'll be like, oh, it's fine, this and that, but they're going back and saying, yo, this person, like, the whole time, I'm, they got kids in the background, this and that. This is what we got to deal with? Nah. And look, people will smile, but they really feel different after the, the lights go out or, or, or they go back to their... So you just got to think of it like that. Just don't do anything that takes away from yourself. Keep you the focus of the interview. Like I said, you control the room. If you ever look at a CEO, when a CEO steps in... Everybody looks at the CEO because that's the he or she's the one running everything. So it doesn't matter whether you like him, don't like her. You got to respect it because the person's at the top. That's why you can think of it in any any situation. Right now we laughing at this Drake thing, but Drake is the guy that's on top. That's why everybody, <laughs> doesn't matter whether they like him, this and that. They're posting him for a reason because he's the guy running it right now. When you run things... That you're respected, even when you're not respected. But in the face, there's nothing you can say. So think of that like an interview. You are the one controlling the room. Always control the room. Don't let anything cut your legs. Make sure that you have everybody, you have the power in your hand. You got it? Go ahead, Daniel. <laughs> man, I, I felt the power, but just from that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and all the things that we're saying, you know. These are the little things that we've talked about, you know, throughout the podcast. It's important to, to nail on these little things like, you know, virtual interviews, background, uh, making sure your connection is good, you know, yes. silencing phones. Like, don't have anything distract from the focus, which is you, right? Virtually. And then, obviously, in a physical environment, face to face, don't let your body language distract from what you're trying to set, what the message you're trying to send to the interviewer so i want to kind of segue now to okay what happens after the interview right we've done the interview right we've talked about how well, before before we segue, Daniel, I want I want to touch on just on these things. You mentioned the icebreaker conversation, but you also we also have to focus on the interviewer's questions. So we highlighted on the behavioral questions, yeah, the the stress level questions, all of that. But usually, you should come in there prepared as the in, the person that's getting interviewed, the interviewee, with at least. 20 to about 45 minutes of just questions that's going to be you basically selling yourself. Like I said, this is a negotiation. Or if you want to think of it like law, like think of it like you're in a courtroom and you're the defense. You're basically trying to make a case as to why you should be hired, why you are the one that sets yourself apart from all the other candidates that's out there. Why this, why this person should say, 
you know what? Forget everybody else. This is who I'm going with. And I don't have any second guesses. So this is where the interviewer's questions come into play. Any question that the interviewer asks, whether it's related to yourself, the job, the role, you should have an answer for. And if you don't know, just say you don't know. Or you can or you don't know and you'll get back to them with an answer. And this is the after the interview. This is what Daniel will touch on in, in, in a little bit. But basically you should always have an answer that is is to what the person wants you to answer it in a way that basically speaks to yourself, the role, and ultimately you being the ideal candidate. Because again, you wanna you wanna have it in a way that uh, the interviewer is like, I am not going to not, you know, go anybody else. This is who I'm going with and this is who I'm sticking with. So that's the interviewer's questions. Then you should have your own questions. Because what did I say before, Daniel, and as well as audience? Ultimately, you want to get the person, the interviewer, talking about themselves or the role. Because once they get, they start talking about themselves... Why do you think usually in negotiation is they always say is who talks first? You ever you guys ever heard that for the audience listening? When they say negotiation, the loser is the one that talks first. It's the same thing with an interview. Is who is the person that speaks more or talks more? And if you get the interviewer to talk more about themselves, the role, that usually is a good indication that they they take an interest in you. They're taking an interest in what you're talking about or, or you know, your, your potential self working with them in, in that role or that department. So that's very important. So that's why I say have four to five questions ready. Now, what, did that, what does that look like for the audience? That could be four to five questions about the role itself. You can ask the questions like, um, what is my day-to-day uh outlook look like or my day-to-day job look like what types of uh, uh, responsibilities would I be tasked with outside of what we already discussed in this interview you can ask them about what is your day-to-day look like if it's a manager because at least hey we deal with stressful situations sometimes we can't we don't always have people to vent to so think of it like that you're also the psychologist so the person is talking about the bullshit that they got to deal with on a day-to-day basis so if you if you go like hey like what is your day like they love to say like 90 percent of the time they will share that because they're like hey it's just something i gotta i gotta vent to somebody i gotta vent to because i deal with bullshit on a day-to-day but that's also good because that's also the skill set that you're you're basically getting them to talk and, and, and divulge about themselves. So they're opening up more towards you. And the more you get people to open up, the more they take an interest or a liking to you. So that's very important. And you also ask about, like I said, uh, you can also ask a question about your pay. It's, but you do that at the end. when or And let them bring it up more so before you. But if they don't bring it up, you, always, you, can, act, you can add that in there as well and say like, hey... I looked up online, I saw that this role was, uh, you know, this amount of money, X, Y, and Z. But this is the skill set that I have. This is the added skill set that I have. Maybe you, maybe this is a role that involves data management. And you and you have a Python, like uh, Daniel mentioned before. You have a, a Python understanding. And you were able to uh, uh, break it down in an interview as to how Python works. So you say, like, hey, as opposed to me getting paid 90000 this is the amount I'm looking for, but you, you but you don't you say it in a way where it's not saying that like you're being you're trying to be greedy, but you just have the best interest for yourself at heart, 
And a lot of times people respect that because at the end of the day, we all deal with battles where we're fighting for more. So you just say it in a way that people understand they're like, hey, like I'm looking out for myself because I know I'm being lowballed and I know that I'm worth more than what is being uh, sent to me or, you know, basically given to me. So that's very important. These are questions that you can ask towards the end of the interview and then, um, you know, kind of as a follow up. But Daniel, I want you to emphasize more in terms of what the follow up looks like after the interview, like you said. And I just want to touch on the negotiation part for a quick second, you Mm -hmm. know, because the interview, after you've done the interview steps, you know, it's either going to go two ways. It's either you get the job and salary negotiations come into play or you don't get the job. So I want to focus on the salary uh, negotiation partners. Again, this goes back to an earlier episode we had on negotiation. Um, When it comes time for that discussion, right? You know, the general rule that I, I usually follow is that, you know, you, you set the bar high, but not too high, right? You never set the bar low. You want to put yourself in a position where, okay, if the job's medium average salary is, let's say, 75, ask for 80, right? Put yourself in that position of, okay, I know that my skill set and what I bring to the table is going to be is 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 worth more than the average that this industry pays for and then let's see what the interviewer uh or you know at that point maybe the hr personnel whoever the the individual responds with right because you don't want to set it you don't want to say 75 because then there's no room to grow right definitely don't want to say 70 but at the same time you don't want to say 90 you don't want to deviate from you know, what the average, what the industry is paying for on an average. And it's important to actually research what the market competitive pay is for your particular position, because that's going to give you insight into what you can, you know, what you can ask for in those um, salary negotiations. So you want to go in with a reasonable expectation of, okay, I think that this is like, I think I could I should be getting paid at least five thousand more than the average. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable, right? Yeah. And then see where they meet you there. Um, now, for let's say you don't get the right? let's say you know something happens, and, and obviously, like after the interview, I think um, it's important to do thank you letters, you know, thank you emails, you know, thank the recruiter, thank the interviewer if you can, um, you know, no no later than forty eight hours after the interview has been. You want to show that appreciation of thank you for your time because, you know, these are individuals, especially the interview where, um, you know, some in some cases they're not specifically from HR. They're actually involved in the role that, you know, you're applying for. Like, let's say it's a data management position. They're probably the manager of you know, this data management um, position and they're taking time out of their day to day to so you want to make sure you want to show that because you know sometimes they're actually taking time out of their client work to come and actually do the interview so you know keep that in mind um but also you know following up is you know a step of you do the thank you letters and then about a week week and a half um i would say at the two week mark you know i wouldn't wait longer than two weeks 
do another follow reach out to the recruiter first you know i would say and, and see you know what the situation is like you don't want to leave yourself in limbo you want to kind of see where you're gauged at you know just ask hey just following up you know get the, with the recruiter you know anything and then let's say you don't get this right again thank everyone for the opportunity you know formulate it in a way where you leave the door open you want to you know try to ask the questions of okay what um, what was it about the interview that the interviewer did not, uh, you know, what were the things that I did that, you know, I could do better? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what was different in my interview compared to, you know, someone else who got the job? Like, what are the things that I could improve on? You know, so I, and I've asked for that feedback. Some interviewers have told me, or some recruiters have told me, listen, you, you some, you know, we felt we couldn't hear you. You know, you, you know, we, we wish you projected more. Mm-hmm. And some say, you know, your um, it just seemed, you know, confidence was wasn't as high as we would like it to be. Mm-hmm. And this these are the general things that I've heard. It wasn't necessarily the how I answered the questions or um, my skill set or my personality. It was literally confidence and projection, projecting my voice. Mm-hmm. So I took that feedback and I said, okay, they want projection, they want confidence. Next yeah. time I'm coming in and I'm killing, right? So. <laughs> And, and this goes for a variety of different feedback that you'll receive, right? That's why, you know, it, it's not re- rejection is just only a projection for the next interview. You know, you you take that feedback and then you process it and then you apply it for the next interview. So that way, because it's going to be transversal, it's not, you know, one interviewer is going to say, oh, okay, like I didn't like, you know, this guy was was, was uh, you know, he's, he was confident. Um, he wasn't that confident. Next interviewer is gonna say, "Oh man, he was, he was a little too confident." I mean, there's a thing as arrogance, but like, you can never be too confident because then that's arrogance. You want to, you'll always be the right amount of confident in the interview. Yeah. And then you know, um, keeping the door open, it's really staying in touch with the recruiter, getting LinkedIn profiles. You know, doing the networking. The networking is really the key to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back for the audience. I'm gonna, he's right in all aspects. I'm gonna push back a little bit. Just don't come off a little too stalkerish. <laughs> uh, there's a way to do it, and yeah, 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 there's a way to do it. And we, I just know from personal experience of people that uh, we had to interview that, yeah, that kind of just went a bit overboard. But uh, what he's basically saying is right. Um, you want to have. A follow-up interview usually what does that look like so after the interview you thank them you say thank you um you know just you know do your little hey thanks for taking time to you know interview me um ask them for a business card if they can't give a business card um you just thank them anyway um and you just wait for a decision you can follow up if you do get the business card then yes or some type of contact information then you follow up with a thank you letter um and maybe give it like a 24-hour window or, you know, and max 48 hours like Daniel mentioned or two days. So, again, you follow up with them. If you don't know how to structure a thank you after the interview, just go on Google and type in thank you after interview letter examples. Take the example, rewrite it with your own words, uh, emphasizing a thank you to the interviewer, uh, the role that was in. Uh, again, re-emphasizing why you're interested in the role and then leaving the door open for possible uh, possibilities. Even if you want to emphasize in the interview, 
a, a letter should you not get it that you will be still open to this situation because i've also seen examples where people don't get the job but they get another job because of the fact that uh the person liked them but they just weren't a fit for that specific role but that doesn't mean you're not a fit for another role within the company as well so you can also if you like to share that after you hear a decision and you don't get it that also can be a benefit to you but as daniel emphasized and you know as i share with the audience um always say thank you uh thank you goes a long way being uh personable with people goes a long way so always whether it's during or after the interview always show um how do i use the word Always show humbleness in a way. Uh, always show that, you know, you're very thankful for this role. Even if it's just a role you're like, fuck it, I'm just trying to get my bread and then go bounce in like a year or something. But still show humbleness. Show your interest. Never, uh, like he said, seem overconfident because, again, overconfidence is always arrogance. Be confident, but be humble confident. Don't be like, oh, like, I got this, like, yeah, like, thanks, like, I knew I already was going to get it type of, don't come in there with that type of attitude, because that would just fuck you up, so just come in there saying, I'm thankful, um, you know, I'm going to do my job, I'm going to be uh, friendly with folks, um, you're going to deal with people that you don't like during the job, maybe you may not even like how the manager comes off during the interview, but just, just smile, be happy, uh, be thankful, show your confidence, exude your confidence onto the individual, and then that's how you get the job. And with that, I want to transition this to kind of ending this is um, now that we're in the COVID situation of and now people are now doing virtual interviews, what does my suit look like or what does my dress look like? What is the colors I could wear? Let's get right into it. Daniel? As you mentioned before, you mentioned that red was a color that a lot of people um, could use that showcases power. What are some other colors as well that you think that people can kind of use to um, emphasize, you know, what they're trying to uh, kind of showcase for the interviewer? So um, I'll start first. Um, Daniel mentioned that wearing a red color, whether it be a suit, shirt, or a dress, a nice uh, formal dress, uh, a professional dress, please, ladies. And I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to get more into it. It's not my place. But I have seen interviews where people other don't wear a bra with just a dress. So you see your, your, your body parts showing and all that. Please cover up as much as possible. Um, there's dresses out there that don't show too much cleavage. Keep the cleavage in a professional manner. If you're in the interview, uh, there's women. Uh, I, I forget. Is there a name for women suits, Daniel? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know the specific name. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. There's women suits. Invest in one, ladies, if you have one. I'm telling you because I've interviewed people during my job, so I'm telling you what you can kind of give. I wish we had a woman on here to kind of give more info on that. Uh, I'm not a woman, so I can only speak to it. But wear professional things. Exactly, yes. One of these podcasts, we will, yes. But just don't show too much body. As black women, look, I know a lot of, of y'all are curvy, so naturally there's, there's only so much you can kind of cover. But just don't wear a, a, a skirt or a dress skirt that is too short. Keep it. You know how to keep it. If you don't know, go to somebody that in, in that uh, position you may know or look how they dress, and then you just formulate that, formulate it that way. But just to kind of 
emphasize the colors, getting back to it. Red signifies power. Black signifies leadership. Wearing blue signifies that you're a team player. If you wear gray, that means you're logical and analytical. White is organized and brown is dependable. And then if you wear green, yellow, orange, or purple, that means creative. The colors of your job interview have the power to make you look like a professional and to change the mood of the interviewer. This is a real thing, guys. If you guys ever learn about psychology, color schemes, I know about color schemes. We know about color schemes because we work in logo designs. So we know about how colors really matter for a business. But in this case, as a person, colors matter. Usually, based on the type of job that you're looking at, that's how you want to dress. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to wear a specific color based on the atmosphere of the company. No, you can always mix and match. But what we're saying is certain colors portray certain type of moods or, 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 or kind of fit the mold of the business or the career that you're trying to get into. So it's very important to understand. Like, let me give you an example of what we mean. So... Maybe you work for this investment bank that's very old school. They've been around since 1850-something. I don't know, like Goldman or JP or something like that. One of these older banks. And you come in there wearing, like, yellow. Like a full yellow dress with, like, like sunflowery. <laughs> Looks like it's all sunny and stuff. That could turn some people off because maybe they... Maybe very old school. They may used to just wearing black and white. Very, you know, there's some companies still out there like that. They're very like, oh, like we have to wear based on the company culture. Like it's fucking July 5th and it's 105 degrees and everybody's wearing a suit. <laughs> like there's it, companies like that. So, it, yeah. It, it's, it, it's about, you know, going in, you know, us, you know, first kind of assess what the position is, right? Yeah. Like if it's a position in finance or Wall Street or something like that, then may want to lean towards kind of the, you know, black and white or blue. maybe the red tie yeah. or maybe the blue. You know, if it's, uh, if you're interviewing for, let's say, an artsy kind of position, you know, if you're, let's say, in the, in you know, media industry of media yeah. and stuff, you may want to wear the green, the yellow, yeah. the purple, you know. And so it's all about, you know, you're, you can never go wrong with wearing blue, White. white. Yep. You can never go wrong with those. You know, blue with a black suit, you know, white with you can never go wrong with those kind of colors. Safe you know, colors. You know, blue blue is blue is very neutral. Safe you know, in that aspect. And it's a safe color. So, you know being mindful of these color schemes and also just being mindful of, you know, how certain features of the, you know, Charles kind of brought it up earlier, certain features of, of what you're wearing, like, you know, for, for my gentleman, like, you know, a tie, like, there's actually certain ways to tie a tie that, yes. you know, if it looks weird, you know, like, it, it, there's ways that you tie a tie that if, it, if it's a little crooked, that may come off a little bit, you know, that may offset the, the interview a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, if it's not straight and buttoned up, um, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, from from, from the, the neck down, there's certain shoes that you should wear that, yeah. you know, don't, don't wear no, like, black Air Force. Like, you know, there's yeah. little things like that. Like, you know, nowadays, it's it's more 
business casual, mm-hmm. I would say from my experience. Yeah. So it's so depending on the position, I mean, outside of like the very like you know finance heavy positions, um, most of these interviews are business casual. Like you 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 could really get away with just a nice button down shirt tucked in with some slacks. You can get away with that for some kind of like you know IT position or things like that in in, in today's world. But generally speaking, you wanna, but but even you wanna, yeah even with that uh, yeah you even with that you still want to keep it very professional because again like I said and I and and, and I'm gonna keep emphasizing this uh, for the audience listening. I just feel like you just don't want to do anything that just comes off as you being risky because again you just don't know the person. Like you're going into a room or you're going into a virtual room with somebody that you don't know somebody that doesn't know you so you just don't want to give anything that just kind of turns the person off or just makes the person raise an eyebrow so again just be safe um you can never not be too professional um you're only wearing the suit or the dress suit or or dress a professional dress uh just for about uh, 30 to 50 minute window max maybe you may go over like an hour but that's you're not going to go over an hour in most interviews pretty much all interviews so again it's very important uh that you just make sure that you wear a professional uh, uh suit professional dress professional uh business casual outfit that's all important so again um you have to just be very mindful of that and i i can't stress that enough because i've seen people and I promise you, and Daniel will tell you, not get jobs because of what they wear. And that's and that's very important, too. People don't get jobs based on what you wear. It's a real thing. Like, I've seen people go in there. I've, I've seen people go in interviews with dress slacks, dress shirt, and then wear sneakers like Jordans into, like, an actual, like, interview. <laughs> or somebody will wear sneakers, jeans, and a college shirt, but a college shirt will have like little like polka dots or like balloons on them or like something like that in the actual interview. Like, and, and you know, and we're not saying this to clown people. If, if you've done that before, we're just telling you to give you this game to understand that like, hey, come in there looking, looking like you own the company. You want to come in there, own the company, even if that's not your goal. Even if, like I say, you're just coming in there to just work, make money, take care of your family, yourself, go on vacation, whatever Whatever your personal stuff is, that's you keep that to yourself. The point is that you're coming in there to sell yourself. You want to give the interviewer that, like I said, you got the mindset that I, I'm the one in charge. I'm the one that's running this shit. That's the mindset you got to go into these interviews thinking like, if you don't have a suit, borrow one. Save your money, invest into one. Just buy one. You just need only two to three suits max. You don't need anything other, both men and women. You, As a woman, you want to have a, a professional, I have to figure out what you call a woman's suit, but you have to have a professional suit as a woman as well. A woman should also have a suit just like a man. There are suits out there made for women. If For the audience that may not know that, uh, so some people that may not know that, that you can also invest in. Because again, you want to go into the interviewer interview like you own the company. And and that's very important. That That's very important for the audience listening in. It's very important to act like you are the one that's running this. Because that's the mindset that the interviewer will think and be like, damn. Like, Daniel, like, think about that, Daniel. You come in there and I'm wearing a full suit looking professional what are you gonna think about me you're gonna think like this guy's about his business or she's about her business right 
Isn't that the mentality that you want to have? You want to have that mentality like that's what the interview is going to look like. It's like, yeah, this person's like they're serious about this position because again, they're not there to to just be like, oh, like yeah, like you know, just come in there doing whatever. They're like, oh, you got the job. They they're interviewing five, six other people, ten people. These bigger companies they interview as much as twenty to thirty individuals. So you got to think you're competing with all these people to be number one, to be the only one. So yeah, and that's important to bring up as as we kind of like close this down. You know, there, you know, you, you aren't the only applicant. You aren't the only interviewee. Like that, and that's very important to keep in mind that you know, all of the things that we've talked about are baseline standard things to follow. So this type of information, you know, it's not a secret. Like everyone who's preparing for an interview are following most, if not all, of these steps. So now it's about, okay, this is kind of like the overarching foundation. Now I take this and I need to enhance it so I can stand out, mm-hmm. right? So you, when we're talking about, you know, dressing the part, looking the part, feeling the part, these are the things that are going to kind of have you branch out from the rest of the pool, right? So think of the things that you could do to make yourself stand out in a good way because that's what's really going to, you know, get you further into the interview process. You could have, you know, 50 applicants for the first round, 25 for the second, and like 12 for the third, and they only pick one person, right? So it's it's really about understanding the competitive nature you're in and having that mindset because it really starts with the mind. It's a very psychological game you play. It starts there and put yourself in that position of, you know, and, and listen, it's, it's all about being, as we said before, confident but humble. If you get the position, if you don't get the position, both in, in both aspects, be graceful. You can take away, be graceful, be grateful, be humble, and take away what elements you could, you know, bring forth to the next interview, right? Regardless if you get the job or not, because you could get the job and then two years into the job, you decide, okay, it's time to interview again. Mm -hmm. But you're going to remember those things that you did to get you the job in the first place. So it doesn't just stop with the one interview that gets you the job or doesn't get you the job. It's a, it's a journey, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a journey. These are transferable skills. Mm -hmm. These are everything that you do from interview to interview. It's not going to change for the most part. Yeah. Right. Depending on the position, there's going to be intricacies. But for the most part, everything that we've talked about is standard throughout your entire professional career. Per- exactly. Of what position you're going to. Even, even if, and, and I'll wrap this up, Daniel, with our last thoughts. But even, I know that now we're not like our parents and grandparents. A lot more people now, especially our generation, uh, anywhere from about 21 up to about 40 and around that age range. A lot more people too are moving into uh, self-employment, starting your own position, or uh, jobs, or uh, careers, starting your own businesses. Um, still, interviewing is still important because you're gonna need money for your business, aren't you? You're gonna have to go to investors. You're going to have to go to banks. You're going to have to interview people for your uh, companies as well. So all these, all this is applicable whether you're self-employed working for a, in an industry or for a company, uh, that's all important. You 
every single thing that we mentioned today is going to be important for you in life in the professional world. So again, what can you do to better yourself? Listen to what we've given. Yes, we're one of many people that give. There's people that train, uh, you know, give professional coaching or interviewing and, and there's books out there. But we're just speaking to you on a personal level because we've both been through it. Like I said, I've been working in the professional world going on almost seven to eight years now, seven, almost seven years now. So it's very important that I'm giving you this game because, like I said, I've been turned down many times. I still get turned down to this day. Um, but I also get looks. And when I get looks, there hasn't been an interview, knock on wood, that I haven't gotten where even in the even in the no, I took it as a yes, where I know that this is what I need to improve on. So the next time I went, I got the job because I improved. Whether it was, like like he said, certain things that maybe I, I had said, maybe my body language, Maybe um, I just wasn't the right candidate. So what made me the right candidate? That also means that working on your resume, that's for another uh, uh, podcast, but just kind of working on certain skill, certain keywords you want to use that kind of uh, singles you out from the rest. That's all important. So again, guys, just we, we're giving you this information as a benefit for you. It's only up to you if you take it or not. Thank you. Daniel, your last thoughts. Yeah, I mean, my last thoughts, just to wrap it up, is, you know, as you're thinking about interviews and as you're going into interviews, you know, I think one question that has really helped me is, you know, I ask myself, you know, ask yourself, you know, would you hire you? You know, would you hire yourself to do this job? You know, like, ask those probing questions and answer them truthfully. You know, you, you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position where, you're asking yourself the tough questions that the interviewer is going to ask you, you know, and this is not even out, this is outside of a mock interview. This is just you talking to you before you go into the interview, you know, use the, use that opportunity to kind of self-reflect and take that everywhere you go. As Charles mentioned, this interview process stems beyond just jobs. It goes into, if you open up your own business, you're going to have to talk to investors. If you, even if you have your own business, you're going to have to hire people. So you're, you're going to have to look for these certain elements that we're talking about. So these are the skills that are transferable throughout life because you're always interviewing, whether you realize it or not, whether it's for a professional job, whether it's for, you know, a loan, whether it's, you know, you bringing on someone as an employee, you are always in the interview process. So prepare appropriately and, know that every step that you take is just a learning lesson in the long run for the next interview process. Perfect. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, so thank you guys. Uh, again, this episode 48, uh, Mastering the Interview. Uh, this is Charles and Daniel. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube. That is the Danso Pitch, D-A-N-S-O, as well as Instagram. Subscribe. And check us out for past, current, and future episodes. You guys enjoyed a long weekend. This episode will be out this coming Monday. Check us out. Again, you will see us um, for future episodes. And check us out for, for any guest speakers. You can email us at info at Take care, guys. Talk soon. Peace.